I want to read this morning. The morning is kind of getting away from us here. From Luke uh, 1, verse 68. And I'm going to read through to 79. Ah, the Christmas story is so wonderful. This is, um, that we're reading this, this morning, is Zechariah's prophecy. Zechariah being the father of John the baptizer. Um, he, well, well, we'll talk about it in a minute. Let's just hear what he has to say. He's, he's, he's been mute um, for some matter of months, uh, not able to speak anything, and we'll talk about that. The angel spoke that to him. But this is essentially the first things he's able to say. He confirmed that John's name was John, but then he had this prophecy. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. This is Luke 1, verse 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us, in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Amen. You may want to cut verse 71 out and put it on your fridge. <laughs> that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To show the mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us, that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. Now, that, is, that is a powerful statement there, that we might serve him without fear. Hmm. Let me just take a moment. Um, the people of Israel, like we, we as a people look at this from this side of the cross, if you would, and we, and we, we are unable to see what the people on that side of the cross, which is where Zechariah was preaching from uh, or, or prophesying from, uh, the fear of God that was upon the people. They... When given the opportunity to go up the mountain with, with Moses to hear from God, they declined because of, they were afraid of God. They were afraid that he would strike them dead. When, when David was moving the ark, uh, a man was struck dead for just reaching out to help the, the ark from falling. Um, they were afraid of God. There was only one time a year anybody went into the Holy of Holies. The high priest. This is, this is the guy that's supposed to have everything together. right? Uh, and he went in with, with a rope tied to his ankle so that they could drag him out if God struck him dead. Like the fear <laughs> that is upon the people back then. They, they could not serve God without a trembling fear. Like a fear for your life. But what, what Zechariah is seeing here in the prophecy is a people 
who would no longer fear for their lives before God, where we could go to him and talk to him and be his children. This is massive stuff in the Old Testament to the New Testament. It's, it's, we forget how big it was, the fear of God in the Old Testament. Because we live, well, I'm a child of the king. I'm his favorite. You know, that kind of a time frame where, where we can say those things with confidence. It's totally different. And, and we don't have the, the paradigm, the, the understanding in our beings to, to fear him that way, although he has not changed. He changed the rules a bit, but he has not changed. And you understand that the law, the law still exists. Jesus didn't come to, to um, put aside the law. He came to fulfill it. And in, in doing that, the law still exists. It's like the law of gravity. You know, it, it still exists. So the law says, for example... And I'm not preaching right now. This is just stuff that I'm getting. The, the law says, for example, that the soul that sins must die. That still exists. The soul that sins must die. And we have all sinned. But in the New Testament, it says that if we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we will live forever with him. It's like a um, um, uh, on a higher plane, if you would, a, a, a superseding, the, uh, the law still exists, but there is something that lifts us into a, a, a different place. What is said in the Old Testament is still true. But in the New Testament, we're lifted up. It's like the law of lift superseding the law of gravity. The law of gravity says what goes up must come down, <laughs> right? But the law of lift is that if you have enough thrust and, and uh, uh, you, your, your angle is right, you will, the plane will lift up and fly, which should not happen. <laughs> it's an amazing thing. And so the law of lift is higher than the law of gravity. We have, we have uh, an international space station that has never come down. Because <laughs> it went up there with the law of lift. If we see in the Old Testament, if you touched a leper, you were unclean for a week. You had to be out of, outside of the camp for a week. You were, you were unclean. But Jesus touched and healed a leper... <laughs> And made him well so that he was no longer unclean in the New Testament. Like it's, it's so much more wonderful to be before God in the New Testament. I, I, I saw a post by someone who used to come to church here. And they, they, they said, you know, people in the New Testament just don't get it. That... that um, <laughs> That if you sin, you die. 
and, the, and no one else can take your sin from you. But, but God said Jesus could because he was righteous. And they, they, they aren't able to read. There's a, a, a veil that goes over the eyes of people that choose to be deceived. He has something better for us. That's for free. Let me get back to my preach. <laughs> uh, so we, we left off at, um, let, let's, let me read verse 74 again. That we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, thank you, Lord, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days, and you, child, he's speaking to his John right now, his son John, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet to the way of peace. What a powerful, wonderful prophecy. So, so like God to, to use this man, Zechariah. Now we... We as people seem to love rescue stories. You know, I, I don't know if you get caught on, on the, the, the social media sites with... Like, I, I love when somebody comes along and delivers a, uh, uh, a, a cougar or a lynx from uh, one of those leg hold traps, you know? <laughs> and they, they, they free this thing and the, the cat is able to go free again or... or uh, a deer is stuck on a fence, and they free the deer. And I, I love those rescue stories. I love where they, they get the horse out of the mire, <laughs> and the horse gets to run free again. There's something just delightful about rescue stories. So many good rescue stories. You know, um, uh, miners that are rescued after many days being trapped, or, or um, the raid on Entebbe, if... You remember that far back, where they, they freed hostages. Uh, the, the Israeli commandos went in and got the hostages out. It was such a powerful story at the time. But the Bible is really a rescue story, one great big rescue story. A people trapped in sin, a people who could not earn their way toward their God. A people who could not live their lives freely before God. There was always an, an understanding that they had to make sacrifice to be forgiven for their sin. They had to bring an animal and there must be shedding of blood for, for their sin to be atoned for. And, and people lived their entire lives in that kind of bondage. There was no rescue for them. And, and our God 
in his wonder, saw that, and, and wanted to bring a way for them, for us, to live before him without that kind of bondage, without that kind of fear, without, without having to do it. But the only way he could do it was to have someone perfect. Every sacrifice had to be a perfect sacrifice. And someone had to live a perfect life. And so he provided Jesus himself <laughs> to be our perfect sacrifice. And his shed blood bought us freedom from sin. So amazing. Every other religion on earth says that you have to work your way in one way or another. You have to earn your way to heaven or whatever they have, nirvana or all that stuff. You have to live a good life to get there. We climb to heaven through our good works. But in, in Christ's situation, he actually came to us. God came from heaven to earth <laughs> to be our sacrifice, to live a perfect life, to make a way for us. He did it all. We don't have to earn our way. We don't have to work our way to heaven. We do some of that stuff out of our love for God and our great gratitude for, for what he's done for us. You know, somebody put up <laughs> decorations, you know, just because they love God. Not because putting up little lights or <laughs> poinsettias or something like that is going to get them a little closer to God. No, 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 no. It's, it's just out of gratitude. We, he's done it all. We don't have to work in any way to earn his love. We can't. It's done. <laughs> and and he's, he is the only one that would do it that way. He is so innovative and so imaginative and creative in all of his ways. That he made a way for us to, because we couldn't do it. We just couldn't do it. No matter what we do, we fall down in it some way or another. We mess it up. As over the course of our lives, we're just going to do that kind of thing. <laughs> but God is so amazing. So we needed to be rescued. He had the, the answer. And, and the Bible is a big rescue story. Now, Zechariah, just to talk about this guy a little bit, because we're going to talk about, I love talking about the Bible, and every week I try to bring you a, a good hunk of scripture to, to talk about um, and, and keep it in context. Um, Elizabeth was the cousin of Mary. Um, Elizabeth was old. So was Zechariah. He was sort of a country priest, Zechariah. Um, um, but when, when we get to the time of reading this, he's, he's actually taking care of the, 
the the temple. He's 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 it's his turn to be there. How it all works out, and so Zechariah and Elizabeth are old. Um, uh, it says in verse seven uh, uh, that they were both getting on in years. Now we don't know exactly what that means, but they were, that usually means that they're old. Zechariah himself said in verse eighteen. For I am an old man, and my wife is getting on in years. See how careful he is? Doesn't say his wife is an old woman. <laughs> She's just getting on in years. He's a smart guy. <laughs> and you know that their neighbors would have said about them that they, they would never have children. They were just too old. But God had a different plan. God is able to do anything. And like Abraham and Sarah uh, in the Old Testament, in Genesis, uh, Abraham and Sarah were too old to have kids. They had given up. Sarah even uh, laughed <laughs> when, when she was told she would have a child because it was, it was just that absurd. It was just beyond her understanding. And so like them, Zechariah and Elizabeth are are old and yet the angel visits Zechariah and so Zechariah who had been tending to worship in the temple at the time um, was told by the angel Gabriel the angel Gabriel what it's going to be like to, to meet him the angel Gabriel and and he said to the angel Gabriel, when Gabriel said that they were going to be having a son and that they should call his name John, he said, how will I know it is so? And so the angel said, well, you're not going to be able to talk until after he's born. <laughs> How's that work for you? <laughs> oh, sorry, I asked. Can I take that back? <laughs> We just want a little sign. Okay, there you go. And so for, for months, he's, you know, nine months probably, maybe more, he's, he's unable to speak. And everybody accepted that he was unable to speak. And uh, so then they, they get to um, the name day. It's also circumcision day, eighth day after the birth of a male child, they take him to the priest and the priest circumcises the baby and then they, they tell him what his name is. And, and so the people at the ceremony say, what's his name? Thinking it might be Zechariah the second or, or Zed or, you know, who knows what it was. <laughs> and, uh, and so John gets a, a slate and said, or, and so Zechariah gets a slate and says, writes on it, because he can't speak yet, writes on it, his name is John. Uh, that didn't make any sense to anybody. But he was told that his name would be John by the angel Gabriel. And he paid the price of not being able to speak for all those months. He was going to be obedient. <laughs> And as soon as he wrote that, 
and the wonder went through the, the room. He then brought this prophecy. This is his... <laughs> This is his welcome back to the speaking world celebration. And, and boy, what a celebration that is. He speaks, blessed be the Lord God of Israel. That first word uh, is, is in the Latin, benedictus. Benedictus. Uh, and, and it means blessed. And this prophecy is known throughout Christendom as the Benedictus. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. Zechariah, I imagine that he prayed. (laughs) What about this kid, Lord? Like, I've had to give up speaking. What kind of a priest could you be if you didn't have the ability to speak? It was important for them to be able to speak, but he couldn't do that. So in his prayers, in his silent prayers, I imagine, we don't know, we don't don't have any specifics, that he was praying for his son. What will my son be? How will his life go? He must be special because you sent the angel and you shut me up. It would have been nine months of wonder before God. And he had all of this in his heart to share. He saw that his son would make the way. You will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. To give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Now, that would have been foreign to a priest at that time. Because the only way you could have sins forgiven was through the shed blood of a perfect animal. But here he's talking future language about his son going before this one that the rest of this thing is all about, this, this whole prophecy is pretty much about Jesus, the cousin of John. Mary visited Elizabeth, her cousin, after she was impregnated, and, and the very first person on earth to acknowledge Jesus and the, the wonder of who he was was a fetus. John leapt in the womb of Elizabeth. So that that fetus, I'm using that word, uh, was not just a clump of tissue. There was a human being inside of her. And that human being could not help through its purity. Through it it was it was untainted at that point by by the world around. That child in Elizabeth's womb could not help but leap for joy in the presence of the Messiah. It's so powerful and so opposite of the day that we live in here. (laughs) So he's 
He's speaking about rescuing us from the hands of our enemies and saved from our enemies. Powerful stuff. That we could, we could have knowledge of our salvation. So, so, so good. So the reason for the season, if we, if we look at this, is not so much busyness and baking and shopping. <laughs> it's salvation and redemption. Like we, we give it a name, him a name, Jesus. Jesus is the reason for the season. But, but if you're coming out of the Old Testament, salvation and redemption are huge. They're, they are a breaking of shackles that have been upon mankind for the entire history of mankind. This is a huge, massive breakthrough for humankind. Salvation and redemption. So I was thinking about a couple of Christmas songs I, was, I went through. And we can see that they pick up the, the thread of, um, of Zechariah's prophecy, the Benedictus. So in O Holy Night, there, there are two lines that say, Long lay the world in sin and error pining. Long lay the world in sin and error pining is a powerful doctrine in, in what we sing at Christmas. Till he ex appeared and the soul felt its worth. Now that, that, that makes me cry. The soul was just something that would, would get you into trouble until the value of the soul was shown because Jesus went to the cross for that our soul might be redeemed. It's powerful stuff. Till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. In God rest ye merry gentlemen, it says, to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Comfort and joy were not a part of the, the parlance, the, 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 the verbiage of people that went to the temple. <laughs> but now it is. Because he sent us a comforter. And there is much joy because of what he's done for us. Hark the herald angels sing, says, Hark the herald angels sing, Glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. <laughs> we, we are reconciled with God. If you, if you lived before Jesus did, you were reconciled for maybe a heartbeat as, as, the, as the, uh, the animal was, was sacrificed that you brought, uh, and, and then your immediate thought was of some sin, and you needed another sacrifice. You know, you, we're just that way. Can hardly wait to go sin again. <laughs> but God and and mankind reconciled by Jesus is massive. The incarnation is is a huge topic. Carne 
is meat, right? Flesh. You think of chili con carne, it's chilies with meat. <laughs> the incarnation, he came into flesh to be like us. Massive, massive. I have a few books that are just so wonderfully full of that stuff. So that, uh, come, O come, Emmanuel, says, O come, O rod of Jesse's stem, from every foe deliver them, that deliver them that trust your mighty power to save, bring them victory through the grave. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to you, O Israel. That's the promise of Zechariah's prophecy. Emmanuel will come to us. Emmanuel, God with us. It's an inconvenient truth, but Jesus was not born that we might have the opportunity to shop till we drop, to exchange presents and to have parties and host lavish dinners as wonderful as those activities are. Jesus was born to reconcile man to God and God to man. We, we, we miss it if we get too wrapped up in this season. And, and this last year and, and the one that we're going through, getting too wrapped up in fear of, of what's out there. You can feel the, the machine going into motion to bring more fear. All that we've heard from the scientists about Omicron, the, the, the latest variant, is that it's more mild than any of them have been so far. It may be um, more contagious, but it's, it's very mild. And, but... The, the media machine is, is, is ramping up and saying the first two vaccinations are not effective against Omicron. You need to have your third vaccination. You need to have it if you want to be safe from this thing. It's effective. The third, the third jab is effective against Omicron. That's, that's what the media is saying, and, and they're encouraging everybody to run out and get their third vaccination, right? Which is just the same as the first and the second, right? It's exactly the same stuff in the bottle, right? <laughs> so, anyway, it's, it's just the media doing their thing. Don't fall for the fear. We can live fear-free because because of what he has done for us. Um, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Verse 71. And one, one next, I got, I've got two left, two, two um, <laughs> um, Christmas carols. This one is, again, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. I, I did a little bit on that one before. But veiled in flesh, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Like, look at the Godhead that is veiled in flesh, that actually is in 
person, the Godhead, three in one, is in this person, Jesus. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus, our Emmanuel. So, so powerful. And then the last one comes out of um, uh, a a hymn I really love. Uh, And it's... um, uh, I don't even have it here. I wanted to quote just right. It's from um, um, Midwinter's... Bleak Midwinter. In the Bleak Midwinter. It says... um, If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what can I give him? I give him my heart. (laughs) In the bleak midwinter, the understanding was that, that the entire history of mankind was so bleak and so cold that there was no hope for mankind. And yet, freedom was on its way in the person of Jesus Christ. But what do you give a king? You know, we we see that gold, frankincense, and myrrh, you know, gold, well, everybody knows what gold is. Frankincense is a... a, um, uh, a spice uh, uh, and, and lovely aroma. They use it in the temples, and uh, if you if you see the smoke, it's often frankincense. And myrrh is what they, and this is the sad part. Myrrh is what they is the spice that they'd use when they wrapped a dead body in cloths. They, even from his birth. The picture of him going and giving his life for us in the gifts that they brought him. They brought him myrrh so that his death would be prepared. So amazing, our God. So amazing. But what do we, what do we bring to him? What can we bring to him? Do you want to be... Mary's worst nightmare and be the little drummer boy? I just got him to sleep. Shut that thing up. (laughs) Can you imagine a mother being happy to hear this little drummer boy beating away and waking her kid again? (laughs) But the heart of that is so beautiful. You know, bring him what I've got. What can we bring him? We bring him our heart. We, we give him our heart. We, we find a way to celebrate him and to serve him with our hearts. They say that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So you can tell what a person really enjoys by going over their bank statement. Where did their money get spent? You know, that's, that's, where, their, that's where their allegiance is. And you, you can tell that. But 
There is something about serving God in one way or another that shows people where your heart is too. If you're, if you're telling them that you're going to choir practice, we don't have a choir, so I'm not trying to manipulate you that way. <laughs> if you're going to choir practice, they might ask, well, oh, I didn't know that Cloverdale had a choir. Yeah, well, the church does. <laughs> oh, oh, you're one of them. <laughs> and you serve the king through it. So as we, as we get ready for the new year and everybody makes their um, new year's Resolutions, yeah, thank you. Bob, Bob's my helper here. <laughs> um, as we make our New Year's resolutions, it's usually about us and what we plan to do and, and uh, how I'd serve myself better. I'm going to lose a bunch of weight. and um, um, <laughs> uh, uh, Like... like um, uh, for Christmas, give me a fat bank account and a slim waist, Lord. Don't mix it up like you did last year. <laughs> what is it that you can give to the king this next year? What is it you can do for him? How can you serve him in this time when things are changing so drastically? Is it, is it through making regular declarations in prayer like, like Roman was talking to us about? Speaking into this thing. Is that the way we serve him? Or is there something in the church that you can do to serve him? Or is there something in the community that you can do to serve the king? Give that some consideration before we go to January 1st. What is it that I can bring to the king this year? He's already got your heart. And if you accepted him as Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you were forgiven for your sins and you signed a blank piece of paper saying, you fill it in, Lord. Tell me what you want to do. And as he writes the, the small print, it may be something that you don't really want to do that he's asking you to do this year. But just... Just go before him and ask him, what is it that you want me to do this year? I, I can't do anything. <laughs> One of the first books that Chris, Christine, Pastor Christine, uh, read uh, as she was a new Christian was about a woman in Pakistan. And, and um, she, she couldn't eat. And so she asked the Lord to give her food, and, and so this chicken would come by once a day and lay an egg. And that food from the egg became her sustenance. And then we read stories of people that couldn't leave their house. So what do we do with that, Lord? Uh, and, and God brings people to them asking for prayer right to their door. You can't go out. God will bring him in. He is not limited by our limitations. He is completely free to work in ways that will astound us if we have eyes to see what it is he's doing in this season. He's amazing in all of his ways, and he, he desires to amaze us, especially if we have thankful hearts. 
Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Let me see what it is you're doing in this day and let me join you in it, Lord. That's probably my most common prayer. After help, uh, <laughs> he's, he's up to something absolutely wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Because that's who he is. He is wonderful. It may seem to you that he's not moving at all, but he is. Yeah. He is. Just ask him for the eyes to see what it is he's doing. And he will show you little things yeah. that you need to pay attention to. Oh, I see you there, Lord. <laughs> I see you in that person. Can I go help them? So little things that will make a difference. You have something? You have the mic there. This one wasn't working. So, um, just, it's very touching my heart. I don't know if it's touching your heart, what he's been saying. And um, while you were saying the last part, I, I was thinking, all of a sudden my mind went on a number of things in my life, especially in the last 29 years <laughs> doing church, um, that I didn't, when I didn't want to do something, like I, I really didn't want to do certain things, and it's almost like God put the I don't want to do it in your heart so that he could prove to you that he could be glorified in the very thing that you don't want to do. <laughs> and I really believe he's that kind of a wonderful God. Yes. He, there are things that just don't want to ever do that. I never wanted to speak in front of people, ever. Ever <laughs> and I quit Bible school because of it, and and then who, who would even understand? Like I can look back on the years of pastoring, the 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 wind and the waves that we have endured over the years, and my heart just swells with amazement because of all what the Lord has done, what He has done, and so I was just thinking in your in your life. What, and look at even, I'm thinking of Catherine. She shared at the ladies' meeting too. Um, but the last thing you'd want to do is go through what you had to go through this last year. And yet, God has absolutely been glorified through Catherine. And especially after she endured the thing that she had to endure. So he's going to be glorified in you, Todd. He's going to be glorified in Trevor. He's going to be glorified in the, every single process in Alan. Every single process that you're going through right now, God actually is excited because he, he is going to be glorified. Yeah. It's just, it blows my mind. <laughs> He's so amazing. That's his job, be amazing. <laughs> off again. Hallelujah. Um, just two minutes. Uh, I, I felt like I should, I should uh, just tell everybody what, what happens here during worship. Um, I'm sitting here with the microphone and we have, we have a really liberal uh, prophetic word um, understanding here. You know, uh, if, if God's given you a word, we want you to share it. Uh, 
Uh, we, I, I usually want to hear what it's about. Uh, but the, the important thing is that we not interrupt worship with something that doesn't enhance worship. We can, we can speak after worship about something that, um, that is it's teaching related or, or it's an exhortation that isn't, doesn't just kind of magnify the king. We have a worship leader that I've grown to trust uh, as being very tender before God. And she takes us into a tender place. And, and we want to honor that if we have a word. Um, not just a word that, well, you know, God said to me this week that, well, good. Come and talk to us about that after worship. Like we're not, we don't chase people away for, you know, for no reason. We want to hear what God's been saying to you. But the worship time, some people get so caught up in the worship because the worship is just me and the king. Audience of one. It is so personal, even though we're in a community. It is very special. And if you allow yourself to, to be a part of that, you, you don't want to break that in any way. But if, you, if you've had a word during the week and you just are, you're, you're bubbling up with it and you just got to share it, dial down, <laughs> enter into worship and share that word with us after, after we've worshipped him, after, we're, after our hearts are not so tender and they don't feel like they've been awakened very quickly. You know? <laughs> it's... It's just so special to be before the king in, in a time of worship. I'm not speaking to anything particular right, right now. I just I want everybody to understand what it is that we do. Come and ask us for the, the mic. If it's going to en enhance worship, we want to hear it during worship. If it's going, to, it's going to magnify the king, we want to hear that at that time. But if it's an exhortation to us, how to live, or what God did in my life, a testimony then let's bring it afterward. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Why don't we stand and we're going to pray. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, I thank you for Zechariah and for Elizabeth and for John the baptizer. Thank you, Lord, that you worked through them in a powerful way, as you're working through us. We heard powerful exhortations this morning from people of your presence here and what you're doing, <coughs> excuse me, and how we can join you in all of that. And as we're before you right now, Lord, I feel like there, there's somebody watching on the, the um, computer this morning uh, God wants to heal. I, I, I don't know what, but I just want to release that in Jesus' name. Receive your healing. Receive the healing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be well in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for all that you're doing with us, Lord. Thank you for your love for each of us. Thank you for this season, this Advent season where we we take our hearts from hope to faith to joy this morning. 
looking to you for your coming and thanking you for the first time you came. Prepare our hearts, O God, to receive you as our Lord and Savior on the day that we celebrate your birth. I understand that it's probably not the day you were born, but it doesn't matter to me. I want to celebrate you sometime, and that day works as good as any of the other 364. So we celebrate your birth at Christmas, Lord, because you're so special to us. We bless you for your goodness and grace, and we ask you to pour your grace out on each one here and at home. Bless, oh bless, oh Lord, as I know you want to do. Hmm. In Jesus' name, amen.